Our final lesson for God's Word, and the lesson for our sermon today is taken from the Old Testament, from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. Here we have a story from the life of the prophet Elisha. Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. While the company of the prophets was meeting with him, he said to his servant, Put on the large pot and cook some stew for these prophets. One of them went out into the fields to gather herbs and found a wild vine and picked as many of its gourds as his garment could hold. When he returned, he cut them up into the pot of stew, though no one knew what they were. The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat it, they cried out, Man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat it. Elisha said, Get some flour. He put it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people to eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. A man from Baal Shalishah, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread, baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men? His servant asked. But Elisha answered, Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. This is God's word. The friends of Jesus, the Lord has let us live another day. Do you realize that? The Lord has let us live another day. It's maybe fitting that as we're celebrating Thanksgiving today, we have a story about a potluck. Do you know that there were potlucks in the Bible? I wonder if even the phrase potluck comes from this story about Elisha and a pot. Elisha was visiting a company of the prophets. Maybe today we call it like a pastor's conference. And it was time to eat. And so Elisha said, put the, the large pot on and cook some stew. There was just one big difference between them and us today. The difference was, there was no food. We heard that there was a, a famine in that region. Famines were usually caused by drought. Famine and drought were often the results of God's judgment on the people of Israel for, for not believing in Him as their God and for rejecting His commands. And so there really was no food. They really had to go around looking for whatever it was that they were going to eat. They studied this story, I, I thought to myself, why don't they just go to McDonald's? Right? Why don't they just open the fridge and pull something out? Don't we take so much for granted today? In the ancient world, even when there wasn't a famine, people spent all of their time, every single day, just trying to find things to eat. Compare that with how much we complain today. You go to Walmart and there's only 15 kinds of noodles instead of 20. Like we're used to it. What are we going to do? Right? You go to the store and all they have is chicken legs and chicken wings and chicken thighs and chicken nuggets. But there's no chicken breasts. How are we supposed to survive? Right? What are we going to eat? Isn't that kind of embarrassing? What we're like? Often don't we think to, your, to ourselves, that, I wonder when God is going to do something good for me. As we sit on the couch in a heated house and eat more food than we probably should eat, we, 
We want, I wonder when God is going to actually do something good for me. Can you imagine what we would say if we had to rummage around in the countryside just looking for something, anything to eat? But there was a guy who was, he was set on getting some food for Elisha. He wasn't going to let this famine get him down. And so he headed out, hoping for good luck, finding some food, and, and he found it. We're told that he found a, a wild vine. And so he took as many of the gourds from it as he could. He filled his garment with them, and he brought them back. What luck! I wonder even in, in, in those days what the other men thought when they saw all the gourds. Right? Hey guys, we're having gourds for supper. Awesome, gourds. I wonder if they really said that, but at least it was something to eat. At least they had some food until they ate it. The moment they ate it, they, they cried out, man of God, there is death in the pot. And somehow those gourds were toxic. It wasn't like they all died immediately, but they must have become very sick. The moment that they ate some of that stew, there's death in the pot. And maybe think of a, a time when I was at a, a pastor's conference in Mexico. I went to Mexico a number of times to study Spanish, and as I was there, there would often be a, a pastor's conference. And one of these pastor's conferences, the, the Mexican pastors took it on themselves to, to cook us supper. Supper was scheduled for 6 p.m. At 9.30 p.m., they went to the store to get the food to make the supper. <laughs> by by 11.30, they were just getting started. And as we were waiting all of this time, the, the Mexican pastors, who weren't part of cooking, were just sitting around telling stories. And I remember one of the stories they told. First pastor starts, he said, remember a few years ago when we had a pastor's conference like this and everybody got sick? And the next guy says, oh yeah, how could I forget? I've never been that sick my whole life. And the third guy says, yeah, there was death in the pot. There was definitely death in the pot that day. And the first guy says, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen this time. <laughs> you think that's not what you want to hear as you're waiting for supper in a foreign country, right? But it makes me think of this story. Here was this man with good intentions. He was going to provide food for God's people. He was going to serve God's prophets. And the result was death in the pot. I think this is such an applicable story for, for us today. First of all, here is biblical proof for why you shouldn't eat vegetables. Some of you <laughs> have spent your lives looking for this, right? And here it is. But so much more than that, just think of what happens in the story. A faithful believer in God does his very best to serve God's people. And what was the result? He almost killed off all the prophets of God. And they say that applies to us today because how often doesn't this describe what happens in your life and in my life? How often haven't you done your very best with the very best intentions to serve other people and the result has been a complete disaster and you've hurt people along the way? How often have you, you, you come up with the very best plan and yet it all falls apart? How often haven't you taken your time to make an important decision just like you're supposed to and you've asked other people for advice and you've prayed and you've prayed and then you've made the wrong decision. So often we like to say, well, I'm doing my best, right? I'm, I'm doing my best. How often isn't our best very good at all? Our best isn't very good at all. Would you agree? 
makes me think of the verse in the Bible which says, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You heard that one? People really struggle with that verse. I, I know Christians who really struggle with that verse. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And we say, come on, God. You may not, even the good things we do aren't very good. And God says, yes. That's exactly what I mean. Right? That's what we learn in this, this lesson from God's word today. We, we learn this, that you don't just need Jesus on your bad days. You need Jesus even on your best days. You don't just need Jesus when you do things that are wrong. You need Jesus even when you do the very best things you could possibly do because even our very best actions are, are tainted by our sins. Even our very best actions aren't actually very good. We need God's grace and God's forgiveness to, to cover even the best things that we do. So here's what God did through Elisha. Elisha said, bring me some flour. He got him some flour and he threw it in the pot and he said, serve it to the people to eat. And they served it and suddenly there was nothing harmful in the pot. It's a miracle. God took that sin-stained good thing that his servant had tried to do and God made it good. This is what God does for you and me. God has the power to redeem our mistakes. God has the power to forgive our sins. God has the power to take the things that we do and to heal them, and to help them, and to save them, to make them actually good. This means that we depend completely on God's grace. Even when you're doing your best, even on the, the best days, we, we depend completely on God's grace. The Lord has let us live another day. Do you realize that? Unless you do, you'll never be able to be truly thankful. And this is why so often we're, we're not thankful. Because we think things like this. I did it. I worked hard for all this. I produced that. Maybe God chips in a thing or two every once in a while. Right? But I, I get what I've earned. I've deserved this. Right? It's just no. If you're alive today, you depend completely on the grace of God and even the best things you do are, are just rubbish without God to make them good. If you're alive today, the Lord has let us live another day. It's Jesus and his grace who takes everything that we do and heals it and forgives it and saves us to, to make something good in the end. If, if we're gonna have a potluck today and walk out alive, it's only by the grace of God the Lord has let us live another day. But what about when you're not at your best? Or what about when you don't have your best? If it takes the, the grace of God to, to redeem even the best things that we do, what, what about when you don't have the best? What about when it seems like you don't have enough? Well, there's another story. The story goes on. Finally, harvest time came. And there was a man who brought Elisha 20 loaves of barley bread baked with the finest flour. Boy, in the middle of a famine, those loaves of bread must have looked really good, right? You think, what generosity to provide 20 loaves for Elisha? This was a sign of, of someone who believed in God, even in the midst of an unbelieving society. And so it's surprising what Elisha said. He receives these 20 loaves of barley bread and he tells his servant, 
give them to the people to eat. I bet you can imagine that servant's face is falling. We finally got some bread, and what does Elisha want to do? Give it all away. On top of that, he said, how can I set this in front of a hundred men? See what he's implying? It wasn't enough. Right? 20 loaves, don't think of a big loaf like we have today. Think of a little bun or like a, a little roll, maybe we call it. 20 little rolls of bread for a hundred men. It's impossible. It's nowhere near enough. How can I set this before a hundred men? I bet you felt like that servant at some point over the past year. You look at what God's given you and it doesn't seem like enough. Not enough time. Not enough strength. Not enough money. Not enough power. If even the very best things we do, we need God to redeem them, to make them good. What about all the times when we don't have enough? How do we make it work when it feels like we don't have anything at all? I bet there's been times when you've looked at what you had and you said, how can I set this before 100 men? It's not going to work. It's not enough. This past week I got to visit one of our, our shut-in members, a lady named Diane. She lives in a, a nursing home. Like usual, I asked her how she'd been doing. And she said, Pastor, I have not been doing good at all. And she described what she's been through the, the past weeks and months. She, she described surgeries and infections and conflict with people where she lives and, and despair. And she told this story, she, she kept on saying, I don't think I can handle it. I can't. I don't think I can handle it. And she was telling me this, of course, as her pastor, I'm sitting there thinking, what can I tell her? What can I tell her from God's word that's, that's gonna help her through this? I can't handle it, I can't handle it. But before I could actually say anything back, she said, but pastor, just recently I realized something. I don't have to. I said, Diane, you don't have to what? She said, I don't have to handle it. Jesus handles it. Everything. Jesus handles it. it means I don't have to. She's right. Isn't she? Elisa told his servant, the Lord has promised that when we give this bread to these people, there will be, be plenty and there will be some left over. And so they gave the bread to those 100 men and they ate and there was some left over according to the word of the Lord. You see, God has a tendency to, to take what he's given us and to make it more than enough. He took those 20 loaves for 100 men and was it enough? With our God, it was more than enough. God has a tendency to take what he's given us to make it even more than enough. I bet God has done that for you over the past year. I bet there's been moments when you wondered how you were going to make it through and God took what he had given you and he made it more than enough. I bet there were even moments when you felt like you had nothing at all and God took that nothing at all and he made it even more than what you needed. That's what our God does. The Lord has let us live another day. I hope the story about Elisha feeding a hundred men, I, I hope it makes you think about Jesus. Because Jesus did that, right? Only he did it way bigger. So much bigger. Elisha fed a hundred men with 20 loaves of bread. Do you remember how many people Jesus fed? 5,000. And he didn't have 20 loaves of bread. How many loaves of bread did he have? Five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and Two fish. You see, God has a tendency to take what we have 
and make it way more than what we need. He has a tendency to take what we have and make it more than enough. And so Jesus teaches each one of us to pray. Give us today our daily bread. Is God good for it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Jesus doesn't just give us bread to eat. He doesn't just give us life on earth. It was right after he fed the the 5,000 that Jesus said these words, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. If you wonder, what did Jesus mean? He explained it a few verses later. He said, the will of my Father is this, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him has eternal life. You see, Jesus doesn't just give us food, bread on earth to eat. Jesus gave us his own body and blood that he shed for us on the cross to forgive every single one of our sins, to open up for us eternal life in heaven. Jesus gives us himself. See, every time we think that we're not going to make it another day, even when the day comes that you don't get better, even when the day comes that you die, you're still going to live another day. You're going to live another day another day because you're going to live with Jesus in heaven. Every time we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I can't. Jesus says, you don't have to. I already did. I already did for you. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. The Lord has let us live another day. Can you say that with me? The Lord has let us live another day. When you realize that, do you know what you say? You say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us food and more than just gourds every day. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our sin-stained best works and redeeming them, forgiving them, and making them good. Thank you, Jesus, for all the times that you've taken the nothing that we have and, and you've made it more than enough. Thank you, Jesus, for taking all of our sins and forgiving them at the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for dying the death that we deserve and giving us eternal life. When you're at your best, remember, the Lord has let us live another day. When you feel like you have nothing at all, remember, the Lord has let us live another day. Jesus, thank you. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, your word is full of examples and stories of how you provide for your people. We thank you for these two short stories from the life of Elisha. In one story, we we see a believer in you doing the very best he can and yet almost killing people in the process. You remind us, Lord, that it's only you who makes things good. Please take all of our works, our sinful ones, even our best ones, and forgive them and redeem them and turn them out for good. You also see how you use just 20 loaves of bread to provide for a a group of 100 men. It seems impossible. And you have the tendency to take what we have and to make it more than enough. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that so often in our lives, for taking your blessings to us and making them more than enough for what we need in, in every situation. Dear Jesus, as we see that, as we see your hand at work in our lives, Help us to say to you over and over and over again, Jesus, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.